Ephesians, Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So that's a really good verse. And, and the first part of it, again, saying, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Now, if we were looking at this verse in a, a breaking it down way, what, would, what could we define some things as corrupt communication? Let's just go around the horn. Um, but just a short definition on this, Kara. Well, gossip can be corrupt because it's not edifying. Okay, very good. So it's something that would tear down another person. So gossip would fall into corrupt. Any, anything else? Negative. Negative. Okay. Good definition. Anybody else? Okay. So obviously cursing, actually profanity would be a uh, corrupt communication. Good. Lying. Okay, good. So not being truthful, maybe defrauding somebody else, all those things. So when we look at uh, this manner of corrupt communication, there's a lot of this, this verse right here is not particularly applying to marriage. That's what you're saying. Okay. And you're right about that. This is in relation to me communicating with anybody. Okay. So somebody that I just met yesterday. Okay. I just met Andrew yesterday. Okay. I shouldn't lie and I shouldn't curse at, and I shouldn't uh, 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 say negative things to him though. I just met him yesterday. Okay. But how much more, should I not do that to my spouse who is supposed to be the person who's the closest to me? Right. However, sometimes people that are closest to us are the people that we take out the most on. Is that true? So if we've had a bad day, we come home. You're not going to take it on your boss because you fear getting fired. But you might come home and take it out on a spouse. You might come home and take it out on a child or something like that. So someone who's closer to you, we have the opportunity to take them for granted. And we also have the opportunity to not... Uh, <clears throat> to obviously be guilty of, of speaking with them in corrupt ways. There was a man one day who was walking along a uh, beach. This is in the West Coast in California. He's walking along and uh, just kind of reminiscing and meditating and, and just relaxing a little bit. And, uh, of course, he, he stumbled upon a, uh, a lamp right there. And we don't believe in genies. We're good Christians. And so the good Lord popped out and God was going to grant him one wish. Okay. <laughs> And so he said, I want you to, I want you, to you know, take this seriously and stuff. There's only one, one chance. And so I want you to be able to uh, think about this. And so the man, he did, he pondered and such. And he said, well, you know what? Living where I live, it'd be really great, Lord, if uh, you could just give me a bridge from here to Hawaii. And, you know, God being God said, hey, come on, man. It's a very, very selfish uh, desire that you have there, you know, just for yourself and just to make your life easier and things like that. Uh, why don't you think outside of that a little bit? Why don't you think of trying to help somebody else and uh, do something for someone else, maybe a spiritual desire or whatever. And so the guy said, all right, I'll tell you what. Why don't you do this? Could you please help me to understand my wife? Like when I come home and she's mad, I don't know why I could understand. You know, when I ask her hey, what's wrong and she says nothing, you know, if I could understand that. If you could just help me to understand my wife, then that would be the one wish that I would want from you. And so the Lord stopped and paused for a moment and he responded to the man. He said, did you want that bridge two lanes or four lanes? <laughs> and so sometimes that's the way that we feel. We don't understand the other person. And the only thing that bridges two very, very different personalities or characteristics, the only thing that bridges that is communication. Okay. So having good communication in marriage obviously is paramount. Okay. A lot of times, most marriages, or a lot of marriages, maybe without the Lord, just sort of fall into a spot uh, where maybe the lady's talking and the man is grunting, right? Um, there's not a lot of two-way communication. We're going to talk a little bit about that 
uh, today. So let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. So let's look at this. I'll give you some things to write down so that you stay involved, invested here. The first thing uh, that we're going to look at, and uh, I keep losing this every single time. Oh, uh, Karen gave me this, and I wanted to be able to put it up here. I thought it was really, really good. Since we're talking so much about the love languages, um, we're going to put it in terms of New Mexico that New Mexico can understand. So here's the five love languages according to tacos, okay? So words of affirmation, your tacos are delicious, right? So if you're just having trouble in connecting to the, to the five love languages, how it is right here. Acts of service, I made you tacos, okay, obviously, right? Receiving gift, here's a taco, okay? Quality time, let's go out for tacos together, amen? That's good right there. And then the last one, let me hold you like a taco, okay? So that's a lot of, that's a lot of love. You want to find you someone who loves you like New Mexicans love tacos, okay? So, um... That's for the Linharts. That's kind of how we describe everything. Like, do you like it like you like tacos or you just kind of like it, you know? So, all right. That's a good thing right there. All right. First thing that we've got. The first thing you're writing down is the arrangements. The arrangements of intimate conversation. The arrangements. Making arrangements for intimate conversation. Now, I will tell you this, and this shouldn't surprise you, but men don't necessarily have the same need for conversation uh, as women do. I can't think of the last time that a guy called me up and, and said, hey, you know, I just, I just wanted to call you just to talk, just to say how you're doing. I think if someone did, I might just hang up on them like right away, you know, because guys just don't have that same need. Now, sometimes we should. Um, typically, this happens a lot. How many of you ladies have ever wondered, like, I don't understand. He talked to me so much and he communicated everything when we were dating and then we got married and it's like we don't talk anymore, right? Ever been there before? Guys typically talk in order to do recon, right? So I'm going to talk to Angela. I'm trying to find out something, right? Who won the football picks? What time is the game? What's happening? You know, uh, are we going to go out for tacos this week? You know, that kind of thing, right? So you're doing reconnaissance. However, ladies often talk for closeness. And so guys, it's important for us to understand when you're dealing with the opposite gender, who is your spouse, amen? Um, They want to talk to you in order to form a closeness with you. You might not necessarily need that, but we're talking about his needs, her needs. So her need this week that we're looking at and talking about is her need for intimate conversation, having intimate conversation. And guys, before you all walk out, I want to promise you that this is going to help you uh, to, uh, to have a better marriage and everything. Guys talk in facts and events, and usually girls talk in the feelings associated with those events. When I come home, my wife will often ask, how was your day? And I will list off events that happened in the day. Well, I did this, and I went here, and I did this, and whatever. That's not necessarily what she's looking for. Uh, She's looking more for a story that is woven all around everywhere that includes events, but also includes interactions with people and feelings about those interactions and feelings about events and feelings about future events and how those events make me feel inside our relationship. Mike, Lizzie? She's here. Yes, no. I know, no, I know she's here. Yes. But thanks for looking out, though. I appreciate it. There she is. Yes, yes. I'm going to say a few things. That's why I said I'm going to pick on you a little bit, but for lunch, I'm going to take you out for tacos. All right, so next up, you can write this down Uh, Intimate conversation takes time. Intimate conversation takes time. And that obviously should be a no uh, brainer, but just in case. You may be a guy who doesn't get hints or subtle hints or anything like that. Amen. Intimate conversation takes time. Now, this is crazy. But they, when they study, they say that most couples have a really strong 
concrete relationship should be able to have 15 hours of uninterrupted time together in a week. 15 hours. How many of you are... How many of you are already thinking... That, that's true. However, I'm going to blow your, uh, your objection out of the water here. How many of you are thinking right away... There's no way that I could possibly do that, right? There's no way I could possibly. I was gonna say this inclusivity. It does not include time. However, now this is why I realized this, and I never knew this, and I don't have kids, so. But this is why I understand why some of you guys have bedtimes for your kids at like five in the afternoon, okay? Because you realize, like, the only time Mama and Dad are gonna have together, right, is if we put the kids to bed and stuff, okay? But if you were to work it out, do you know if you, 15 hours is what's recommended? Do you know what the national average is for couples of hours of uninterrupted time? What would you say? Five. Five? You nailed it. So we get to stop right there. So five, <laughs> you're reading the same study as me. Five hours of uninterrupted time is all that they get in a week. It's in a week, okay? So even if you can't get to 15, the point is this, is that uninterrupted time with your spouse, guys, particularly with your wife, will go a long, long ways, and you need that. So if you're looking you're like, man, we're only having like three or four or five hours of that, you need to be able to create more of that somewhere. Now, for every single person, I talked to a lady when I was out yesterday, and she said, uh, you know, first, uh, I don't need church. And I said, well, here's the good things about church. And then she said, well, I just don't have time for church. I have a two-year-old. <clears throat> and I said, well, kindly, ma'am, a, a lot of people that I know, in fact, I'm going to stand in front of a class of them tomorrow, uh, that have more than one child, and they also work a job, and they're also married. She did work a job, however she was married. So my point was, is that all of us feel like we don't have enough time. That's always going to be with you. It's funny because you think, you know, someone retires and they're empty nesters and stuff. You're like, hey, man, and they're like, I don't know. I have to check my schedule. I got so much going on. And you're like, what do you got going on? You know, but one day you're going to be there. And no matter what stage of life you're at, you're going to ask somebody, hey, do you, you're always going to feel like they don't have enough time. Always going to feel like they're super busy, whatever, whatever. So you're just going to have to determine that this relationship is more important than any other relationship. I have no idea why. But one time when I was like 12 years old, I was slipping through the channels and I stopped and I watched like 10 minutes of the Oprah Winfrey show. I don't know why. But on there they were saying, she was saying, talking about the difference between men and women. And basically the study showed that if the guy had a choice, let's say that they were out on a lake, right? The guy's sitting on the boat and his wife falls out and is drowning and his child falls out and is drowning. Who's he going to save? He's the only can save one. The guy will save his wife. Correct. If if the lady's in the boat, right, the husband falls out and the child falls out, guess who she's going to save? The child. So the thought process is the guy's thinking, you know what, we can always make another one of those, right? And the lady's thinking, I can always marry another one of those, right? Right. And maybe, this, maybe the next one has more money. I don't know. You know, you never know what's around the next bend. But... The, the point is that we always prioritize things in different orders, okay, the different genders and stuff, okay? So guys, just know this. For your wife, she prioritizes. The first one that we talked about, okay, um, was – what was the first one we talked about? <coughs> Affection. 
her need for affection. We talked about affection two weeks ago. And then the second one we're talking about now is intimate conversation. Your wife prioritizes these things very, very high. So you need to know that and understand that. So in order, it takes time. Secondly, right here, intimate conversation must be guarded, must be guarded, okay? When you have kids come to the relationship, and I, yeah, okay, I don't have time for this, but we'll go for it anyways. How do you balance time for conversation and children? Does anybody have something that you've done or something you've started implementing or doing that you found gives you time uh, in order to make that? So the first thing when we heard about the 15 hours, yeah. we just looked at each other and said, how can we do that? Not, oh, we can't do that. How can we? Like, how can we? I like so it. So what we've done now, what we've been doing is just, like when the kids go to bed, we <clears> sit out front. Uh, out, we have these chairs that will carry us. We just sit outside and just, you know, we just sit there and talk. We just, we stay up late. It's a sacrifice um, on our part um, because kids need us and all that stuff. So we just sit there and just try to talk to them until we disappear in the house because I'm not gonna know. Where's mom and dad, you know? So when they're asleep, that's our time. <coughs> okay, that's good. Yes, sir? Um, <clears throat> we try and do it after the kids go to sleep, but sometimes we, all, we have stuff going on too, but one of the things is uh, letting the kids play outside and they entertain each other. Um, and then we can just sit down in, in a couple chairs and keep us and then have a cup of tea and, and talk. Right. It also helps, too, if on that sliding glass door you have a lock. And a taser. And a taser. So one more thing with that is, yes, sir. is my wife puts a sticker on the window that if the sticker's there, they can't come in so they know not to. Nice. Unless it's for, like, an emergency or the rest. Nice. That's good. That's good. How many of you are thinking, I hate how well-behaved your kids are? Like, that's, that's good right there. That's awesome, Philip. Oh, by the way, I have your dishes right there from back in the day. So, um, did you have your hand raised, Jennifer? Yeah. Um, yeah. We, I like make my family <coughs> at the table every night for dinner, and we open up that time. And I literally will prod my kids for every single thing they could possibly think of to tell me or Sean during that time, because that's kind of what we allow for to be their time and they guide the conversation. And then when they're cleaning up dinner and things, things like that, like or Sean and I need to take time, like. If they come in and interrupt us, then I'll let them know. I have older kids, so it's a little bit easier to be able to let them know. Like, you've had your time to kind of, like, let things out. Like, give me and dad a little bit of time, and then, you know, we'll talk again before bed, or whatever the case may be. Like, giving them an opportunity to be able to kind of release all that to us. Yeah. Who was back there? Deborah. I was just going to say, since Lauren's the only child now, she tends to always be part of everything we do. But what I've been doing is at dinner time, before work to tell me about dinner cooking, so I tell her, Dad and I are going to sit outside, you take your shower, get ready for dinner, whatever. And that gives me at least a half an hour because she's a girl. So that's our time. <laughs> and then we go in and then we do our conversation with her. You know, he does his conversation with her dinner. Amen. That works for us because if I wait, is she asleep? He's usually asleep before she So that wouldn't work. <laughs> That's good. Um, intimate conversation. Uh, Mike, can you read your verse out of First Peter three seven? Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Okay, good. So it says, dwell with them according to knowledge. In other words. Uh, being married does take a level of, of learning and growing intellects to understand. So you understand a child needs to get something out, so you let them get it out at dinner time and talk about things. That way you have your time guarded later on. So, so look, when you look at 15 hours, don't just say, oh, we can never get there. Okay, fine. If you're at five, okay, could you get to eight? Could you get to nine? Could you get to ten? Because the more you slide up on that scale, the healthier 
and happier it's going to be for you. So don't just say, oh, we never could. Okay, well then you never will, but, but perhaps you could make it better than what it currently is. Okay, here we go. The appreciation of intimate conversation. What your wife appreciates about intimate conversation. Uh, a right there. Nope, I'm gonna have to tell them to you. A, the intimate conversation is integral part of how all the other important emotional needs are met, are met. It starts by conversation. Guys, here's what we want to do. We want to say, okay, wife, what's the problem? Please tell me in a synopsis of 45 seconds. She'll tell you the problem. Then you'll go, okay, here's what the solution is. Can we implement that solution? No, that doesn't work. Okay, solution B. Can we implement solution B? Yes. Okay, great. That's very good. What's next? That's what we want to do. However, yes. Let's go to tacos. Um, that's not the way that your wife is going to want to solve that problem. Even if there is a solution at the end of the problem, which often there isn't, they want to be heard. And we'll say, well, that's so silly. Well, a lot of people just want to be heard, okay? That's why someone who is, when you sit down with someone who's a good counselor or whatever, you just talk to them whatever. It feels, there's not a lot of people in life who will actually listen to you, right? Most of the time we walk away, hey, how are you doing today? I don't really care what he says. I just want him to say good so I can keep walking. That's the way most people are, unfortunately. That's why a Christian family is so important because there are actually people who actually care about you. will actually say, no, really, how are you doing? Please tell me. And I'll, I'll wait here and I'll, I'll make the time to, to talk to you about that. So let your wife talk about that problem, okay? And you'll go through and you'll, you'll uncover emotions about that problem and what that problem is connected to. And it's connected to 15 other things and whatever else, okay? And maybe at the end she wants a solution or maybe you've already given her the solution. And that is she just wanted to be heard. B. Uh, intimate conversation is necessary for everyday problem solving and conflict resolution. Your verse in there says this, can two walk together except they be agreed? You need to present a united front to your children. Let me insert this very, very quickly. Ladies, this, this is the, my challenge to you. We're challenging the guys a lot today. Here's my challenge to you, okay? Going back to that boat illustration, you would rather save your child than save your husband. But let me, let me just tell you this. If your husband is getting onto your child, now I'm not talking about if they're hitting your child, obviously we've gone way past the boundary, but if they're getting onto your child about something they did and you don't like that or you think your husband has gone too far, it is better for you to hold it, okay, and then later on discuss that with your husband than to jump in and try to shield that child, Let's pretend for a fact that he did go too far. Here's where the line of correction should have been. He went too far. Okay, that's fine. Later on, when he's cooled down and you guys have a chance to talk to it, he'll probably come around to your way of seeing it, or you'll talk about it and you'll find a compromise or whatever. You'll be able to go back to that child and say, hey, me and mom talked, and here's what we're going to do. But saying, here's what we're going to do, instead of, oh, no, you shouldn't. Don't talk to them like that, doing all that stuff. That child is going to see that wedge right there. And the tightest relationship that you need in the home is between you and your spouse, not between mommy and child, okay? And this mommy and child thing happens a lot, especially when the girls become a little bit older or girls are a little, like teenagers and stuff. Mom wants a friend, so they're more friends, so they're super tight. And dad's out here, he's sort of the enemy of the family. And by the way, this is how every American sitcom is, right? The dad's the retard who flies off the handle and is very, very dumb. He's all the way out here. And the mom and the children are really, really tight, and they actually know what's going on. That's what happens all the time. 
But that's a lie, and that's not how it should be. The closest union should be you and your spouse, right? You and mommy should be really, really, really close, and the kids fall in line behind that. If you keep that proper order, you're going to have a marriage that comes out on the other side that's called empty nest, right? And you guys are still close. Because what happens is the kids go out, and you look over, and you realize, I don't know this person that I'm married to. Because we've spent 18 years with just kids. That's, all we, that's our only common bond has just been raising these kids. And now we don't know each other. And people get divorced in their 40s and in their 50s. Why? Because they realized, I don't even, this is a stranger to me now. We have no common goals anymore. No common work together. We're splitting up. And that's so, so sad. You should be the closest. Um, even if it's to the, to the pushing away of your children for a little bit. See right here, intimate conversation is important. Because it meets a basic emotional need. A basic emotional need. For most women. Um, 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Uh, B is conflict resolution. Yeah. For A was met. Yes, met. So A is met. B is conflict. C is basic. Uh, can you read this first? And I don't have time to exp- We'll hold off on your verse. Until you come back. <laughs> sorry. No, sorry. Uh, ladies... Uh, if I could get a couple ladies here, uh, we have just a couple of minutes here, but how does intimate conversation set your mind at ease or make you feel at ease now in the relationship? Ladies. And not all at once. It just does. It just does. No, that's a, that's a good, I knew it was a hard talking point in order to like put into words, Sarah. Okay. Whatever it's called, the um, quality, quality time. time. And so for me, quality time is like just your attention. So when we're talking about something intimate, I feel like I have your full attention and that you want to get to know me more. So I, I feel like it makes women feel more loved when someone wants to get to know them, kind of like in the dating stage, like you want to know how we feel. Okay. Very good. Um, and that going above and beyond does go a long way. Guys, you did a lot of reconnaissance, okay, with your wife. And I'm, I'm actually going to spoil this place. So let me just get there, okay? Um, C right here is the, the adversaries, or three, the adversaries. So here's the things that get in the way of intimate conversation, okay? And you might just say, well, just life. But let's identify those things in a, in a better way. A right here is making demands. Don't make demands of each other in a relationship. You must do this if I'm going to do this or whatever. whatever. You want to talk about things, but making demands just cuts off intimate relationship because this is not a business transaction, okay? This is a loving marriage. <laughs> B, um, being respectful, being respectful. Again, sometimes your wife will look at you and would say, you won't even talk to your friends that way. You wouldn't even talk to a stranger that way. And guys... Sometimes, or most of the time, she's right. We wouldn't. We're, we're being horribly disrespectful to the spouse that God's given us. That's not God's intent, and we need, to, we need to fix that, okay? It says right there, let your speech be always with grace, seed, and salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. So in different situations, there needs to be different ways in which we would say things. Uh, however, I'm going to always be respectful uh, to my wife. How does that define it? If the other person thinks it's disrespectful, it is. Okay, if your husband says, I don't think that you should talk to me like that, don't. If, if your wife looks at you and says, like, hey, you should not say those things to me, then don't. Because we care about that person and, and their feelings involved. So perception is reality on this. C, expressing anger, expressing anger for flying off at the handle. 
Some of you, uh, and I don't want to get too specific or whatever, but everyone at church just knows you as this great, like awesome and just funny guy or whatever, but you have a temper, 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 temper at home, okay? Let's work on that thing, okay? And what we, so it's funny, in the school, sometimes I'll tell a parent just in passing, I'll see him like, hey, you know, so good to have your kid in school this year, man, they're so good, and their class that I'm in, they're always really respectful, and they'll look at me and they'll go, well, I wish they were that way at home, or like, well, what kid are you talking about? Something like that. The point is that I only know the best side of that kid. For most people, the best side we know of them is at church, okay? And then there, there is who you actually are. Let's make sure that who we actually are is aligning with the Bible and with Christ. The D right there. Dwelling on mistakes, past or present. Don't dwell on mistakes. Bring it up, bring it up. Right? Every time you get into an argument, you're going to drag up that time five years ago they brought, they brought the wrong cereal, right? Or the wrong taco mix. Don't do that, okay? Just let it go, amen? Just let it go. Uh, here we go. The allies of intimate conversation. So here's our friends in, in intimate conversation. Sorry for going quickly on this part right here. The allies of intimate conversation. So how can we get to intimate conversation? Uh, we are trying to converse, to inform, investigate, and understand. A lot of times we're talking to our wife just to understand what is her point of view or where is she coming from on this. How many have ever thought before that you would really, really dislike someone or the, the stance that they took, and then you sat down and you actually talked to them about it, and you're like, okay, well, now I really see where you're coming from on that, right? Okay, so we just, we assumed right away that they were enemies, right? It's like that meme that says, like, well, I can tell someone's, uh, I can really tell someone's judgmental just by looking at them, right? And so that's the way that we are sometimes, is that we assume, we assume enemy or we assume conflict, but really, it's just a lack of understanding. It's not really malice, it's just a lack of understanding and ignorance. B, an ally developing interest in each other's favorite topics of conversation. Okay, so what is a topic you have tried to learn more about for your spouse? Let me give my quick example. We always joke about this uh, with me and my wife, um, but when we were dating, um, she purposely downloaded the ESPN app on her phone. So I call her and she's like, hey, I mean, how about those Broncos? Like 320 rushing yards, like whatever, let's talk all this stuff. I'm like, what are you even saying? She was just, she was just fishing. That's all she was doing, just fishing. As soon as on her honeymoon, she deleted the ESPN app. And ever since then, I'm like, where's my, where's my football loving, stat snowing woman, you know? Uh, but she was, she was on a mission, amen? She was doing reconnaissance. All right, so guys or ladies, do you have anything that to throw in here? What's a topic you're trying to learn more about just because your spouse is into it? You don't really, not super invested, but you try to get into it because they are. Music. Music, okay. That's, that's a great one because it means a lot to her, obviously. So, Hannah? It's work. Work? What he's, what he's doing at work and stuff? Okay. <laughs> You know that a field goal gets five points or something, right? There you go. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. Anybody else? Denise. He watches Project One with me. There you go. Hey. There you go, guys. See, Samuel, you're not alone. You didn't know someone. There's another Project Runway fan in the house, did you? You didn't know that. Now you know. Kara. Michael should have won. 
<laughs> Kara. Awesome. That's good. You know what? A little bit of interest by your spouse actually goes a long ways, right? It really does. So it's not like you have to be like, maybe you're never going to love those things. Can you show a little bit of interest? Anybody else? This is good stuff. Anybody else? Anybody else? Sports that he's into. There you go. Good. Okay. So every one of us have those things, and we understand those very simply, okay? That gives you topics of interest, things that you can talk about. Uh, balancing the conversation. Um, if you're going to talk for 20 minutes, now listen, ladies, you want someone who will talk to you, okay? If the conversation is 20 minutes long, it should not look like 18 minutes and two minutes, right? It should look closer to 10 and 10, right? Now, if she's a little more like, you know, 13, 7, we can live with that, right? But sometimes the reason why you kind of pushed your husband into silence by the fact that there's no spot to really jump in at, right? The words just keep a flowing. So make a spot for you to uh, be able to jump in at. Are you raising your hand or are you doing a stretch? No? Okay, all right. Balancing the conversation. All right. Um, giving each other undivided attention, okay? Giving each other undivided attention. Obviously, this goes a long uh, ways. That's why you figure out for some people it's better in the morning, for some people it's better at night, uh, whatever it possibly is. Again, um, thank you guys so much for coming. We've just finished week number four, so week number five will be next week. Mike? I've been waiting for the answer. Who do you pick out of the water? Who do you pick out of the water? Yeah. What's the right answer? I don't know that there is a right answer. I mean, I don't know that the genders are ever going to see eye to eye on this, but it's a good... So right over here, we have Reggie and Nicole. Say hi to them right behind them, the Linharts. And then over here, Andrew and Sonia. Make sure to get by and say hello to them and welcome to our class. You are dismissed. Hey, when I saw you on Thursday, I was like,